Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. Well, we have been doing a series for our new believers that are here in the church, and that what we are talking about is just the new beginnings. We are understanding our baptism, we're understanding our communion. When we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we talked about our scriptures, the word of God that is given to us, our prayer life and how blessed that is, our opportunity to live Jesus through us, not a path of um, self-improvement, but it's a journey of submission to the Lord and allow him to live through us. Today, what I want to talk about today is our tithes and our offerings. We have seen um, people just coming to the Lord lately, and we just want you to understand the principle of the tithes and of the offerings. Now, someone might be thinking, uh, it figures, he's going to hit talk about money. But you know, the thing is this, is that the Apostle Paul says that he would not withhold anything from you that releases the blessing of the Lord. I want you to understand that when you came to Jesus Christ, you stepped out of the kingdom of this world and its provision and its insecurities and its news reports that are always threatening demise. And you've stepped into the principles of the kingdom of God's blessing in your life. I want to look today at the blessing that God has promised upon the tithes and on the offerings today. And I I just share that with you because I've seen God be faithful from my whole life. Actually, my parents trained us, even from our little allowances, that we would bring our offerings to the Lord's house. It's one of the best One of the best things they trained us, and I recommend to you parents, teach your children the principle of the tithe, to bring the tenth of what we earn into the house of the Lord. There is a blessing upon it. I was sitting by the river last evening with my son, and we were talking about houses, and it just reminded me about how Pam and I, we had just gotten married, we just bought a home, and you know, when you're just married, and I wasn't in the ministry yet, and we're figuring everything out, We came upon a week of of a paycheck where we had to decide literally between food or whether we were going to bring our offering into the Lord's house. And I remember Pam saying to me on, on that Saturday, she says, when we give this offering on Sunday, we will know. The, the, the promise of God and the provision of the Lord. And it's never happened before, and it's never happened since. But we gave that offering on Sunday and made a choice because, you know, we were both working, and for some reason, I don't know why, we didn't have anything left. And um, someone showed up at the house and provided bags of grocery and said, I don't know why, just got out and got this buying urge that happened, and we knew what it was. That big urge is the Holy Spirit moving on their heart, and and God provided for us. You know, at the very same time, I was thinking, we were talking last night about how when we moved out here, and I remember opening up the newspaper, and there was like a, a mobile home that was available in Basalt for $550,000, and I told Pam, well, <laughs> doesn't look like a home's coming anytime soon. And we rented a home up in, in Redstone. And so we rented that home for a year, and, and that's a story in itself. But we were sitting at the Chinese restaurant with my elbows on the table, and I had the fortune cookie in my hand. By the way, fortune cookies are not linked to any <laughs> false religion or idea. Started in America. That's where it started, just letting you know. Okay. 
so don't, don't take me out and stone me in the parking lot. But I said to Pam, I said, I feel like the Lord has spoken to me. Literally, I'm like this with it in my hand. I feel like the Lord has spoken to me and said that we, um, we're going to be moving and I don't, into a new place. I don't know if it's a rental place or a home. So I just said that, cracked it open, read the fortune cookie, fortune cookie, and it said, in a hidden valley by an open stream, this will be the kind of place where you will find your dream. Wow. Don't expect that from a fortune cookie. <laughs> That was better, better than the lottery numbers, you know what I'm saying? So I folded it up and I put it in my wallet. The very next evening, we were invited to a family that opened up their, their lives to Pam and I, and they were instrumental in us when we were praying and driving around. They befriended us, strangers, and they took us in, and we, um, they, they were just great friends. So we went over to their house for dinner, and um, he, he said to me in the kitchen, Oh, a house on the Crystal River just sold for $500,000. If I'd have known that that was uh, going to sell for that low, I would have let you know. And I'm thinking, you could have let me know all you want. That wasn't going to happen. But thank you. I said, that's funny. And I pulled my wallet out, and I hand him the, the little thing in a hidden valley by an open stream. This will be a kind of place where you find your dream. And he said, you know, there's a property, and it's on the Crystal River. And if we were worked out a deal where the county bought the floor of the river and the bank against 133, and there's two acres left, would you be interested in the, in the rest? Oh, yeah, let me think about it for a moment. Oh, yeah, that we would definitely be interested <laughs> in that. Got the ball rolling, and we were able to get on the Crystal River right at Avalanche Creek Bridge, and God provided a place for us. Because you want to know something, I believe that it's tied to the principle of the tithe. Being taught from the very beginning. So that when we sold our home in Florida, you know, and we just came out here, and it's a whole other market in Florida, it was back then. And yet that didn't matter to God. And you know what? It doesn't need to matter to us either. Because we are tapped into the promises of God and to the kingdom of God. The thing about Jesus, he just taught us, if you lose your life, you're going to get it. He says, give, and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I will cause men to pour into your lap. And so I want us to all understand today, I, I share this message not for my benefit, not for the church's benefit. I share it for your benefit, that you will tap into the principle that releases God's provision into your life, especially with all the threatening news that's going on right now, you know, about the fall and the collapse and the food supply chains and all those things that are going on. What do we want to do at that moment? You have, a, you have the choice to hunker down and step into fear or to trust in the provision of the Lord. And so that's what I want us to be able to do. I want us to understand that this is, the Bible even calls the, the local gathering of the people, the storehouse of God. It's in this place where God um, has stored up the resources of his people for, so that those people will be a blessing. So we want to just talk about that. And just, if you've never stepped into the principle of the tithe or bringing offerings or the, uh, the principle of sowing and reaping, just open up your heart today. That's what I ask of you. And I, 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 I'm telling you, the Lord has done something very unique concerning the issue of the tithe. Do you remember where Jesus says you don't test the Lord when he was tempted in the wilderness? But here we have a scripture verse where the Lord says, test him according to the tithe. So that's the promise of God that God wants to be tested on. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Let's open our Bibles there. 
Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, and I'm going to pray the blessing of the Lord upon you to receive the word today. Here's what it said. Would anyone rob God? Well, that's a really strong word. Well, none of us would have the audacity to rob God. And yet he go, God goes on to say, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the entire nation of you. So here we find that Israel is being rebuked because they are walking in constant need. They're walking in impoverished condition. And the Lord said, here's the situation. You have taken from something from me that belongs to me. And you don't realize that you have released a lack and a want inside your life. It's a robbing of what is mine. Now that's unusual that the Lord says the tithes belong to him. And he said, and understanding this as well, that God released this word in a very clear passage because Israel was about to enter into 400 silent years where they weren't going to receive any kind of prophetic word. And it would be until the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would come. God wanted them to know, I want you to know a principle of Blessing, because here's, here's what they were going to experience. You are not going to be hearing from the prophets for a while. And you're going to have to walk in the faith of believing in the power of the tithe and the provision of that. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that you may be food, so that there may be food in my house. The Lord is saying, bring your tithe to where you eat. Where do you receive your spiritual nourishment? In the storehouse of God. And the Lord says, put me to the test now in this. Pam and I had an opportunity at a moment to test the Lord. We had an opportunity to decide, are we going to give the first fruits? Because for me, I know that our finances are all... They come in strange ways now to all of us in different means. So someone might tithe once a month, and someone might tithe, you know, every week as that money comes in. And I, I understand how that, but there has to be the spirit of it. It needs to be the first. Give God the first. Don't give God the leftovers. We're so tempted to give him leftovers. Now, I'm one of those people, I think leftovers are pretty good. But I know there are other people who say they won't touch a leftover no matter what. But the thing is this, when it comes to God, God says, don't figure out what's left after you've made your own plans and determined what you're going to value foremost. But in your heart, just realize, whether you wrote the check or not, that, that certain amount, that 10% of what I've earned plus my offerings or giving to the poor, that is dedicated to the Lord and it's his only. So the Lord says, test him now. Who is the one who declares that? He reveals himself as the Lord of the armies. He's the God of the angels. He is the God that came to Jesus after he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and had angels show up and feed him. He is the God that can cause anything to happen for you. He's got an army on the earth. And Jesus says that the God who sees you do something in secret, he's the God who's going to reward you openly. So that even though you might not come into the church and make a big announcement before God, you know, and everybody else saying, I'm giving my tithe right now, Jesus says you do it privately 
but the reward will be an open one. The reward will be a very real one. That's the promise of God. When you came to Jesus, you wouldn't believe what happened for you. The opportunity to tap into the resources of heaven has been made available to you. What a way to live. What a promise of God that he's given to us. The Lord says this in the tithe. See, test me in this thing. If I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. What is God saying here? He's saying that you have to understand this, is that heaven's provisions are available to you. Windows will open up and I will pour it out until it overflows. God's saying the more that we release the river of God's provision, the river of God came to heaven to you, it filled your life, and then as you learn to release it, release it to the house of God, as you release it to his purpose, his kingdom, as you release it to the people that are in need, God is saying, you're going to watch, it's going to start flowing, 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 flowing over and over again. And then Jesus says this, then I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. I will rebuke the one who tries to take your promises. What did Jesus say about Satan? He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what he wants to do. What is he trying to steal? What is he trying to rob? He wants to rob you of the promises of God. He wants to rob you of the excitement of seeing God doing something miraculous in your life. That's all he wants to do. He wants to take from you your confidence before God. There is a devourer who wants, as his assignment, to release diabolical forces to take what you have and cause you to lose it. During the time of Malachi, we find out that there was another prophet. This prophet's name was Haggai, and they were building the temple of the Lord. And that Haggai was saying to them, to the people, they weren't supporting God's work, the rebuilding of the temple after it had been destroyed. And he said, you're saying we're getting money, coins, and we're putting them in our pockets, and it feels like our pockets have holes. Can anybody relate to that, right? And Haggai says, it's because you're building your own houses, you're building your own lives, but you're neglecting the house of God and what God is doing. And so we find out that that's the devourer. You and I want the blessing and the provision of God. If we don't step into the promise of the provision of God and the principles that open the windows of heaven, oh my word, I mean, that, you're talking more than the, the Hoover Dam falling. When you're talking about opening up the windows of heaven, God says that he'll supply our every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When you begin to see that it is the Lord God who provided the home for you that was outside of your reach, when you begin to see that God is the one who can have groceries come and be delivered to your porch when no one, absolutely no one knew what you had done, that is an exciting life. I would rather get a slice of bread from the hand of God than a steak 
speak from this world. Why? Because I got to see the hand of God. That is the most exciting life of all. It also helps me to understand that the one who can show up and do such a thing as that is the one also that I can trust my soul to for all eternity. That is such a good God. It is such a journey of faith. When I bring my tithes and offerings into the house of the Lord, am I expressing my faith to God and my confidence in him, that the Lord God is my provider. So then the God says, when you bring your tithes and you've tested the Lord in this thing, why is it a test? When you bring the tithes and offerings, like the, there's an ebb and flow of income in all our lives, and there's an ebb and flow in need. That is part of the reality. There will be times when the bringing of the tithes and offerings into the house of the Lord comes with a test. But the Lord says, test me, and I'll rebuke the devourer. So that you'll find out that on a Sunday morning, sometimes when we're blessing the tithes and the offerings, I will stand according to the promise of the word of God. Because I know that some of you are giving in a test. Why? Because I've given in a test. So I will stand up here and I say, I, re I stand according to the word of God and I rebuke the devourer on your behalf. Why? I'm claiming the word of God. Do you want to be able to rebuke the devourer on your behalf? Then yes, walk in the principle of the tithe. Because then when you're tested, you can know that you have the confidence. The confidence before the Lord because the, the heaven works by the cycle of blessing. God blesses you so that you might bring a blessing to the world so that the world might learn to bless the Lord, so that God will then bless you so that you can bless others, so that others will bless the Lord and give the glory back to God. That's how the kingdom works. It's unlimited provision. It's open windows of heaven. Can you say amen? Amen. So what we find out is, now, now some people will say to me, oh, Pastor Jim, the tithe, it's, it's, it's an Old Testament principle, Old Testament. We're not in the Old Testament, we're in the New Testament. Well, boy, just first off, I'm just saying this off the top of my head, it wasn't planned, so we're all in danger right now, okay? So here's the whole thing. What did Jesus say? The, the law says, you know, that you can't commit adultery, and Jesus says, well, let me really take you what, what it's all about. If a man looks at a woman to lust after he's committed you know, uh, adultery in his heart. So if you want to just say, well, the, the principle of the tithe in the Old Testament, yes, they were under the law, so God mandated that they would bring the tithe. But we walk in the principle of the freedom of the kingdom. What was a law in the Old Testament is done in liberty and freedom in Jesus Christ right now. What was required is just 10% in the Old Testament is a lifestyle right now where I just say, God, everything I have belongs to you. That's a New Testament principle right there. So we find out that, in, that you've heard this expression before. If you're brand new in the Lord, in the Old Testament, the word of God is concealed. It's hidden, but it's there. Some of these things we'd have never known if it hadn't been for the New Testament that brought the full revelation of God's will for the earth. In the Old Testament, the plan of God for mankind is concealed. In the New Testament, it's revealed. Now, that's a very important principle because I want us to understand that in the Old Testament, this truth is given. It's very real. You can learn a lot from it. But it's kind of shaded a little bit, and it's without the full revelation of Jesus. But we can glean many spiritual principles from it. When you look at the feasts that are in the Old Testament, the celebrations in the Old Testament, there was one that was called the Feast of First Fruits. Now, that is a revelation of the New Testament giving and freedom to give to the Lord, the principle by which we operate. It was concealed in the Old Testament where God said, bring your first fruits to the priest. 
In the New Testament, it's revealed as the release of kingdom blessing to bless the world. So listen to this as I read from Leviticus chapter 23, verse 9. This is according to the principle of the law, the requirement of Israel. It says this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land which I am going to give to you, and you gather its harvest, then you shall bring in the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord for you to be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the, prince, the, the priest shall wave it. So when someone would plant the seeds out there in the field, they would go and they would harvest the field. And the Lord says, bring in the first fruits, bring in the first harvest to the Lord. And when you bring that into the house of God to the temple, the priests will pick it up and wave it before the Lord to speak the blessing of the Lord over your household and over the entire nation. The principle of the first fruits blessed the individual, but it also blessed the community. That's what we need to understand. So as they were waving this before the Lord as an offering, God is letting us know, if you bring in the first fruits, I will bless the entire rest of the harvest. The priests will bless what's left. So we understand that even in the principle of bringing the tithe, the tithe being the first 10% of what we've earned, we bring it to the storehouse where we receive the spiritual food that we receive. And in that, the priest, your gifts are before the Lord, Jesus Christ, the great high priest. They will be waved before heaven. It is a declaration that if you will sanctify the first fruits of what you earn, God then, I'm, I'm sorry, if you consecrate the first tithe, the first fruits of what you earn, and you say, this belongs to the Lord, it's consecrated to him. It's his, it's not mine. See, that's where, why God said, you've robbed me of the tithe. Because you're saying, the first tenth belongs to the Lord. If you consecrate the tithe to the Lord, he then is going to sanctify and bless the rest of it. And that's what we want. Here's the whole thing. A blessed 90% will go much further than the whole 100% if you try to hold on to it. Because you will never be able to outgive God. And that you might find yourself years later, you've practiced as, a, as, a, as, the, as, a, as the, the leaders in your home, mothers and fathers, the principle of the tithe. You don't know when the will of God might lead you someplace where you let go of a house over here and you need one over there. But you know what you can do? You can stand upon the promise of God saying, Lord God, I, I consecrated the first fruits to you, you are going to bless and sanctify the rest of it, Lord. See, it gives you confidence before the Lord. And that's what we want in all of it. Let's just, let's just think about this man named Abram. Abraham was a man, obviously, he was called by God. And he was an idol worshiper and he knew nothing about God. So if you recently gave your life to Christ, you're just like Abram. You're off to a good start. You've been called out of idolatry and who knows what. And you, you, you believe in the promise of God, that God's got a promised land for you. That's like your faith in heaven. Right? So Abraham, Abram comes and he's got his son Lot with him and the devourer tries to come against Abram. A man who obeyed the Lord. Because you can obey the Lord, but you'll still be tested. 
You can even be tried in the area of your finances. And so we find Abraham, he's with his, his nephew Lot, and then suddenly the local kings led by Ketelamar, the big honcho king, gets the king of Sodom and Gomorrah, and they're all coming together, and they go and they capture Lot and all of his possessions. Abraham realized something. I'm, I'm, I've got the blessing of the Lord. Abram actually had a priest, and that priest came to him. We don't even know where he came from. He was a priest of the Most High God, it says in the Scriptures, and his name is Melchizedek. And he came and he spoke blessing over Abram's life. Abram received the blessing of the Lord, declared by a, a, a priest that was on the earth who spoke into his life. Well, you know what happened. Abram went and he defeated those kings. A man in his house defeated kings that had risen up against him. And he got Lot back. He got Lot back by the blessing of the Lord. The kings knew they were defeated. And they said, oh, take, take, take everything. Take the clothes, take the, take the gold, take the silver, take the sandals, take everything you want. And Abraham said, no, no, lest they say that you bless me. Abraham just, see what kind of man Abram was? And that's what you want to be, believer. You want to be the kind of person who says, no, I didn't get my blessing by the hand of man. He could have just taken that money. He actually earned it. If you think, he had to fight these kings back, push them back and get the money. But he refused to take it. Why? Abraham, Abraham said, I want to be the kind of man that receives the provision of God. And I don't want unbelievers thinking that it happened because a man did it for me. I want people to know that God did it for me. And so what did Abram do, man? He took that and he brought that tithe to Melchizedek who had blessed him. He brought it to the man who had just actually poured into his life. Now, again, I'm telling you, I'm not speaking this for my benefit. I'm speaking it for your benefit. Some of you, may, I, I might never see again, especially after this sermon. But some of you, I might never see again. But I'm telling you, no matter where you go, you follow the principle of the tithe. This is not for personal benefit. This is for your benefit, so that you might be blessed of the Lord. And so a Abram understood he was not under the law. So if people come to me and say, you're preaching Old Testament legalism and law. No, Abram was not under the law. He was before Moses, but he understood the principle. Do not make a decision between whether you're going to rely upon the world's provision and just be a self-made man and try to, you know, uh, everyone trying to get ahead and trying to get as much as they can accumulate. But the Abram just said, no, I... I want to tap into the principles of God's blessing. So I want us to understand here something today, though. God wants, God wants our first, wants the first of everything. He wants to be first in your life. And that's why in the principle of the tithe, you want to have this sense that, God, this, I want you to know, I, there's a million choices in this world, but I choose you first. When you think about the, the first fruits of what's going on here, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Are you beginning to see a pattern here? If Jesus is talking about our resources, if we seek first the kingdom of God, this is after he told them, stop worrying about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and where you're going to live and what are you going to wear. Don't live like that. He says that's how worldlings live. He called them Gentiles, people outside of the covenant with God. That's how they live. I'm telling you how you live. You, live, you don't live in the fear of those things. 
You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then Jesus says this, and everything else will be added to you. Abraham said, I'm taking the, I'm going to give an offering to the Lord. I'm going to bring in a tithe to the Lord. But I'm also not going to enter into the system of this world and all of its fear. I'm not going to be that man. I refuse to be. Every time I bring my offering into the house of the Lord, I break the spirit of fear over my life. I am making a, a, every time I receive income, I'm making a declaration. God, you're first, and this is yours. And I will not be afraid. And when I bring my tithe, I am declaring, God, I said it in my prayer. You were faithful yesterday, you were faithful this week, and you'll be faithful tomorrow, no matter what they say. No matter what is on the news, God, you are faithful. So right after Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, he says, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. God says in the tide that causes you to live in the today. You know what? You're not thinking about tomorrow. God's got tomorrow covered. I'm, I'm ama- I can't control tomorrow. But what I can do is I can bring my tithe into the house of the Lord. I can honor God with my resources. So we seek God first of it. Why are we meeting today on a Sunday? Why are we meeting on the first day of the week? We are meeting on the first day of the week because Jesus rose on the first day of the week. But you know who Jesus was? The Bible says he was the first fruits of the resurrection. Imagine that. Jesus, of all that were going to be raised and would never die again, Jesus is the first one. He is the first fruits. In the book of Acts, they worshiped on the first day of the week. And on the first day of the week, they honored Jesus. They're saying, Jesus, you are the first fruits. What did God the Father do? God the Father, his first son. What did he do? He offered him up as the first fruits to God for the sake of the blessing of many sons and daughters coming into the Lord. Today, when we came into this house to worship the Lord, we were declaring, Jesus, you were the first one to rise from the dead, and the rest of us are the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, billionth person to rise from the dead. We are all going to be, see, when the first fruits, Jesus, was given to God the Father, the blessing came on all the inheritance of the Lord Jesus Christ. The father gave up one son. Why? So that he could inherit billions of sons and daughters. That's the principle. That is why we're here on the first day of the week. Did you know that when you say Sunday is my day of worship because I'm honoring the first fruits of the Lord Jesus Christ, did you know that you are tithing your week? You are saying the first day of the week belongs to the Lord. The first day of the week belongs to the Lord. Important. Teach your children that. We used to call it the Lord's Day. Why? Because in the book of Revelation, John the Apostle, Paul said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Something has been lost. Maybe I've lost it as well. Because when I was a kid, Sunday was the Lord's Day. You didn't do anything except you didn't watch any TV. You, you, You didn't even throw a ball. Throughout the entire day, you were conscious, this day belongs to Jesus. And what is it? It's the tithe. You're tithing your week to the Lord. And and we're going to talk about the principle. When you sanctify the first to the Lord, I'm sorry, I keep saying it wrong. When you consecrate the first to the Lord, he sanctifies the rest. 
we've lost the whole idea that giving the first day of the week to God actually consecrates, sanctifies, blesses the rest of the week. How you begin your week is important in the heart of God. It really is. It only makes sense. How a man starts the race can determine how he finishes the race. If you try to just, if you don't navigate the first part of the race and pace yourself and get yourself grounded in knowing who you are as a runner and what you can accomplish without that first out from the gate start knowing who you've been called to be, it will ruin the rest of the race. And so you, I, I just want you to know today, you're already tithing your time to the Lord by giving the first day of the week to him. And in the same way, then when you come into the house of the Lord, you bring your tithes before the Lord so that he might consecrate, sanctify, set apart, bless the rest of your finances. So let's remind ourselves, when a man sets himself in the place where his plans become more important than God's plans for the earth, then God, we cannot declare that he is Lord over our lives. We align ourselves with the one who comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. I am not suggesting by any means that God is sitting up in heaven right now watching to see who tithed today and that he's got some bolt of lightning ready to cast at people. It's not. It's an alignment issue. That's all it is. It's just an alignment. We can align ourselves with God, or we can align ourselves with the one who devours. And that only happens through disobedience. When God made Adam and Eve, he placed them in the garden, and he said, there's, a, there's the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had a choice of alignment. That's all it is. When it comes to the tithe, it's just an alignment. And then Adam and Eve one day decided, we want that fruit, first fruits, we want that for fruit, we want to be the first ones to eat it. We want to take the fruit off that tree and we want to eat it. And when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and of its fruit, they aligned themselves with the tempter. And then what they thought they could gain by holding on to getting as much as they could, they ended up losing everything. Do you understand the principle? It's a principle of just uh, of, of, of obedience that Lord has for our lives. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 2, the Lord said this to Moses, Sanctify to me every firstborn, the firstborn of every womb among the sons of Israel, among people and animals alike. It belongs to me. The firstborn was to be, I'm sorry, let me make this comment. Everything, man and animal, belongs to the Lord, every firstborn. So that by that we begin to understand the firstborn, there's a great responsibility to that. The first fruits. And here's what we find out in the Bible. Whether it's the firstborn child, a firstborn animal, the Bible talks about uh, even a donkey being born. You have, to, you have to deal with it. What do you do with the firstborn of anything that comes out of the womb, the firstborn? It has to either be sacrificed or it has to be redeemed. And what does that mean? A price needs to be paid so that it wouldn't be sacrificed. So as we're looking at that, the Lord just says this. If, the, if a donkey's a firstborn and you don't want to kill the donkey, you have to, in order to save the donkey's life, you had to kill a sheep because a sheep, something needed to pay the price because the firstborn belonged to God. So if you didn't want to give the donkey, you still needed to make an offering to the Lord. That's how important the firstborn is in the eyes of God. 
Yes, so, you know, what is that all about? It's part of the revelation. Jesus was the firstborn of Mary, right? Jesus was the one so that when he was born, John the Baptist said, oh, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Look at the firstborn. Jesus opened the womb of Mary. He was the firstborn to Mary. And we find out that Jesus is the only begotten of the Father. Only two things could happen, according to the Bible. That's why the Old Testament, see, these revelations are concealed in the Old Testament and revealed in the New. In the Old Testament, Jesus being the firstborn, either he had to be sacrificed or something would have to die in his place. Very interesting. John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God. Oh, wait a minute. That just is an indication he's come to be sacrificed. Think about this whole idea. Abraham and Sarah, she finally had a baby. That baby's name was Isaac. Isaac was the one who opened the womb, the firstborn to Sarah. Only two choices. Either Isaac needed to be sacrificed or he needed to be redeemed. Something we need to die on his behalf. That's why we have the story that's given to us, concealed in the Old Testament, in a lot of ways, not revealed yet to the Jewish people because they don't accept many of them the New Testament. So they only see it in, in the concealed form. Abraham was asked by God to offer Isaac upon the altar. Why? He's the firstborn. Either he's sacrificed or redeemed. Abram, he, he grabs Isaac, takes him up the mountain. Isaac's carrying the wood on the back. It's the picture of Jesus carrying the cross to the, to the Mount Calvary. And so they're making their way up there. It goes so far as the wood is laid upon the altar. Isaac is bound and he's laid upon the wood. Abraham lays up his, raises up his dagger over Isaac and he's about to slay him. But he could have been sacrificed because that was the mandate of God. But it was only a picture of Jesus. What happened? He couldn't be sacrificed, but he was redeemed. God provided a ram that was in the thicket. And Abraham went and got the ram. And he took Isaac off the altar. And he put the ram on the altar. And he sacrificed him. The principle is this, is that the first belongs to God. That's why God so boldly says, why did you rob me? Because he is the one who took his one and only begotten son. His one and only. His beloved son. And he laid him upon the altar. When we enter into the spirit of the covenant that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ, even the same way that God said, my firstborn, he belongs to me. And he gave him up so that we could be saved. No, there was no ram on the top of Mount Calvary to replace Jesus on the cross like there was for Isaac. And yet what happened is, is that Jesus gave his life for us. When we bring our tithes and offerings before the Lord, it's out of our love for him. And we're just saying, Jesus, you did this for me. I'm doing this for you. And you just say, ah, it's just money. But Jesus taught us where a man's treasure is, that's where his heart is. When I bring my offerings to the house of the Lord, I'm giving the Lord my heart. The, the, root, the love of money is the root of all evil. I guarantee you when we get to heaven and God shows us all the shenanigans that went on in the political governments of the world, we're going to discover it was all about money when all was said and done. Money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not the root of all evil. The love of it is. And when I, when I bring my tithes, I break the power of love for money. And I, I step out of the materialism and false promises of this world. So John the Baptist said he's the, the Lamb of God. Let's jump back again for a moment to Isaac being offered. 
because the firstborn being Abraham took something that was more precious, more precious than any tithe and offering that any human has ever given when that man gave his son upon the altar there, right? So he lays his son upon the altar there, and he says, Lord, I sacrificed the first fruits, and he had to trust God that he was going to bless the rest. And think about it. Abraham had a son. His name was Isaac. Isaac. What did he birth? Jacob and Esau. Wow. So he laid down one son, but then he got two. But then we find out that out of the promise that was coming to Jacob, that God birthed 12 sons. And those 12 sons became 12 tribes. And then those 12 tribes multiplied to 2 million people, even while they were being tested in slavery, in captivity. And out of the 2 million people then, they left that and they inherited the land that God had promised them because one man brought a first fruit before the Lord. And then they go into that land and then they come into Jericho, which was the first fruits. It was the first town that they had to defeat and they had to give the offering of what they received of all the wealth of Jericho they had to give to the Lord. Why? Jericho was the first fruits. It was the first city they conquered. And God says, don't take any of the silver or any of the gold. It all belongs to me. It was a tie. Jericho was a tithe. And so then they went into that land. And what happened? Then there was the birthing of the prophets, right? Just the beautiful revelation of God. Then, then there was a birthing of kings. Kings began to rule. And then there became this great king, and his name was King David. And then out of King David came the Messiah. Why? Because one man laid down the first fruits, his son named Isaac. He laid him at the altar. Little did he realize that then there's going to be the Messiah coming, and then the Messiah would have 12 apostles who would all be Jewish. And then out of that, they would be accused of, of, of uh, turning the whole world upside down. Why? Because one man was faithful with the first fruits of what God had given to him. Abraham couldn't see it. Man, man, when a person brings a tithe and the offerings before the Lord, you never know. You never know when the blessing's going to come. You never know when you're going to need it. But God does. God sees the whole future. I'm telling you, God will be faithful to those who seek the Lord first. It's such a beautiful thing. Yes, when they went into Jericho, it was the first city that they were going to conquer. And God was going to fight for them. They were a bunch of slaves that wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They were not an army. And yet they were going to pull down a city with huge walls. And it says in Joshua chapter 6, verse 16, at the seventh time when the Israelites walked around the city, the priests blew their trumpets. And Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. See, they, they had the, when I bring my offering before the Lord, I realize that it is God who has given me everything. But the city shall be designated for destruction. It and everything that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in the house shall live, because she hid the messages whom we sent. But as for you, only keep for yourselves from the things designated for destruction. So, um, but as for you, only keep yourselves from the things designated for destruction, so that you do not covet them and take some of the designated things and turn the camp of Israel into something designated for destruction and bring disaster on it. Do you see what the Lord says? Jericho's the first fruits, but if you take what belongs to the Lord, he says you are going to invite destruction upon the nation of Israel. And he says, but all the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go to the treasury of the Lord. But what do we find out? There was one man who went into the city, and he just says, man, that's a whole lot of gold and silver. His name was Achan. And he, see, the whole nation respected 
that the tithe belongs to the Lord. But he took a little bit of that stuff and he hid it inside his tent. And so then the next day, going to be an easy war. So easy. After, they, after Jericho, God won that battle. They're going to Ai. Small little town, should have taken it, no problem. They were sorely defeated. Joshua goes before the Lord. Oh, God, why would you let that happen to me? But Joshua didn't realize. You can do all the praying you want, but you can't violate the principles of blessing. So he's praying, and God says, Joshua, get off your knees. Stand up. There's sin in the camp. Someone has taken the gold and silver, and they've kept what belongs to the Lord, and they put it in their tent. So Joshua and the leaders had to go from tribe to tribe, two million people, right? Who's the last tribe they got to? The tribe of Achan. Achan had millions of people of time to have repented of what he did, but he didn't, held on to it. He's sitting in his tent. Wow, I'm really rich now. Everybody else is so stupid. And so what happened, you know? Achan tried to hold on to his life. Jesus said, if you try to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you will let go of your life, you're going to gain it. What happened to Achan? He tried to hold on to his life, determine his destiny, his prosperity, and everything. But because he was found in sin, he and his household were all wiped out. We've got to ask ourselves a question. Do we understand the principles of the kingdom of God in a world that denies the Lord? So let's just remind ourselves... Um, God, God wants you to experience his blessing and supernatural provision. There was a little boy that only had five loaves and two fish, and yet he gave it to the Lord. And what did God do? He multiplied it until 5,000 plus women and children were fed, and they collected 12 baskets. God will bless when even a little boy brought what little he had to the Lord and he gave it to God and the storehouse was full, full enough to feed thousands. So let me wrap up with this. Our text again in Malachi chapter 3. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Bring the whole tithe so that there may be food in my house and put me to the test now in this, says the Lord of armies. If I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you until it overflows, overflows, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor will the vine in the field prove fruitless to you, says the Lord of armies. All nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of armies. So I'm sharing this today from the bottom of my heart, with all true sincerity, in alignment with the Apostle Paul, said that I withheld nothing from you that would work toward your benefit. I truly believe in the blessings of the tithe. I want to encourage you in it as well. If you've never done it before, the Lord says, okay, test me. Just test me. Try this. See, do you know what tithing, why it makes us maybe uncomfortable? Because it really gets down to where the rubber hits the road. Do, 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 we really, are, do we really believe that God could show up? Well, he will show up on your behalf. I'm confident of that. And you will not outgive him, for sure. He'll be a debtor to no one. And I'm just going to pray that God would richly bless you and you would enter into that principle of his kingdom. Amen? Let's all stand up this morning. Father, I, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross. 
the only begotten Son of God, the first fruits from the Father, and that He might die. He was sacrificed so that we could be blessed. Jesus Christ died for our sins. I pray, Lord God, if there's anyone here today who's never met Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, that today would be their day of salvation. I pray, Lord God, that today, today, Lord God, they would yield their heart to you. You will come with the Spirit of God. You will set them free from the power of sin. You will, Lord God, remove shame and discouragement and hopelessness and, and unforgiveness, Father God, that you will, Lord, come to their heart and that you will make yourself known to them. I pray for anyone who doesn't understand, Lord, about being a son or a daughter of God, that they would understand today that they could enter into the fullness of the blessings of your kingdom and into eternal life. Thank you, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would come now and that you would move upon every heart. And if there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would let them know that today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come and convince, Lord, today. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask before we leave, there's nothing that I can give to you concerning eternal life or salvation. I needed to be saved, and I needed the eternal life, and I needed to be forgiven of my sins. I can offer you today the path to the Lord. I can offer to you how you can pray to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you ask yourself the question, if I die today, do I know that I'm going to heaven, what would your answer be? Would you die in your sins or would you die in the forgiveness of Christ having washed you completely clean? I want to ask you today, do you know without a doubt that you are saved, born again into the family of God? Do you know you're a son of God? Do you know you're a daughter of the Lord? If you ask yourself that question and you get no answer, God wants to resolve that today once and for all. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond today, and it's not a formula. It's just I'm, I'm just going to lead you through the process of coming to Jesus Christ. He did all the work. He paid the price. He suffered the agony for our sins. And if you're saying to me, Pastor Jim, I want to be saved today, I'm just going to invite you to lift up your hand today, just saying, Pastor Jim, I, I, the, the, I want to be involved, but be a part of the closing prayer of giving my heart to Jesus and asking him to forgive me. And then if you raise your hand, I am going to ask you to please come forward here in the front. You won't need to say anything or do anything. You don't need to face the group. I'm just the, following the word of God says, if you'll confess him before men, he'll confess you before the Father. He'll confess you before the angels. If you're here and you need Jesus, would you lift up your hand just saying, Pastor Jim, I want to be saved today. Anyone here today? If you feel that tug on your heart, that urge of saying, you need this. I want to invite you just to lift up your hand today saying, Pastor Jim, I want to be saved. I'm not asking if you were raised Christian. Not asking if you were baptized. Not asking if you read your Bible every day, if you're a member of a church. I'm asking you, do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? You can respond today. God, I thank you for your goodness and for your faithfulness towards these people. Let them go in the light of Christ. Let them carry your presence with them. I pray in a dark world, Lord God, that the glory of the Lord would be seen upon them. I pray that the joy of the Lord would be their strength and that the peace of God would lead them. Bless the, sing the, the singles, Lord. Bless the marriages. Bless, Father, and restore children to parents and parents to children, Father. Bless their generations to come, Father. 
Oh, Lord God, I thank you, Father. Let your word be alive in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. There's going to be elders here in the front. If you need prayer for anything, they want to pray with you and believe God for whatever miracle that you need today. So come forward. Let them pray for you. And God bless you all. Thank you for coming today. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website, the CCC Basalt app, or your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.